We're in the middle of a series, or we've started a series last week called Identity, and uh, we're going to dive into it today, and I'm going to abbreviate my teaching time today because I wanted to make sure that we had plenty of worship this morning. Um, but I do want to dive in. I want to get some stuff in you. I feel like that this is a word, a series um, that is going to help build our church and take us where we need to go. We are still a very young church. We launched January the 22nd. I think sometimes we forget that. And uh, we're still a young church. And so God, Chris and I are not young. We've been in ministry for 25 years. And so we're not novices, but this is a young church. And so I feel like the series that we're teaching now are very important to help us grow as a healthy church. And you cannot grow as a healthy church, as a healthy individual, if you do not have a good feeling of who you are. And so we're doing a series on identity. Now, we don't know how long this is going to last. It says uh, April, but it could go longer because this is our life message. If you were going to boil me and Kristen down, that would be painful. But if you were and get to the true essence of who we are, this is who we are. God has called us to help people find their identity in Christ. The Bible says... I will not keep quiet until Zion knows who she is. That is my scripture, what God has called me to do. I will not keep quiet until every single person knows who they are in Christ and what they can be in Christ. How many are tired of condemnation? You tired of it? Y'all like it? How many like it? I'm pretty good with it. I'm tired of it. I'm ready to understand and have a feeling of who I am in Christ And what I can do in Christ. So our goal for this series, if you're writing this down, our goal for this series is for us to see us as Jesus sees us. That's the goal. Is for each of us to see us the way Jesus sees us. I want to change my mindset of me. The way I think about me. The way I act. The way I talk. talk, All of that stuff comes back to a mindset change. Everybody says, I want to be new, but nobody really wants to change their mindset. So we just end up duct taping stuff, all right? Super gluing stuff. The scripture says you are changed by the renewing of your mind. It's a mindset change. There are two great revelations that I believe we're supposed to have. Number one, who God is. We need to have a revelation of who God is. Most people don't have that revelation. How powerful he is, how strong he is, how loving he is, how gracious he is. Most of us have a revelation of God that our grandpa taught us, that our mama taught us, that our mom and dad, that our Sunday school teacher taught us, or that somebody that hurt you taught you. And so you have a mindset of who God is because of that a true revelation of who God is. How many want to be like Jesus? Raise your hand. Do you know the scripture says there's going to be a day that we're going to be like him for we shall see him as he is. When you begin to see Christ as he is, not how religion taught you, not how church taught you, but how he really is, you cannot help but become as he is. Say this with me. Revelation brings transformation. That's a good word right there. You didn't have to repeat that, but thank you very much. 
Once you begin to see Christ as He really is, you begin to become as He is. The fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. So as long as you have a jaded revelation of who God is, you're never going to become like Him. But when the blinders start falling off, when the scales and the veils start falling from your eyes, that's an entire sermon in itself, the scales and the veils. You can find that throughout scriptures that the scales fell from people's eyes and then they saw or then the veil fell and then they saw. Religion has veils, skin has scales. Break into a little hip hop tune here in just a minute. We need those things to fall so we can see God as He is. That's the first great revelation. The second great revelation, and just as important as to seeing God as He is, as to seeing us as we are and how God sees us. That's the hard one. It's hard enough to see God as He is, but it's even harder to change our view of us. Before we can know who we are, however, we have to establish who we are not. Look at your neighbor. Help me preach. Look at your neighbor and say, before... Y'all ain't helping me. How many were taught you don't talk in church? Raise your hand. Okay, forget that today. Just forget it. Like I said, pretend this is your church today, all right? It's okay. I'm the pastor. I say it's all right, all right? Our elders have said it's okay to talk in church. Now look at your neighbor and say this. Before we can know who we are, we need to establish who we are not. All right. Before God can plant a true revelation of who you are, he's got to break up all of the mess and all the soil and all the stones for years and years and years that you have put. He's got to break all that up. So that's what's going on today. That's what happened last week. Now, I'm going to tell you, at the end of this service, we're going to have a moment where we're going to pray and you're going to feel something you haven't felt in church in a long time because we're going to break some things up today. How many are ready for that this morning? Last week, we started with Jeremiah 1 and 5 that says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. We started off with this. The first you are not, you are not a mistake. You need to understand this. Even if if your mom and dad said, we didn't plan for this little prize, you were not a mistake. You were not. We talked about four things last week. Leave that scripture up. You are known. You are handmade. You are set apart, which means approved. And you are appointed. If you can grab those four things, I am known by God. When Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. You know why? Because he's known them before you were even formed. And he doesn't have to have cheat notes. That word no, you know what it means? No. (laughs) Little little lesson for you. It means no. I know them. 
I don't have to scroll back through and go, where did I put that note? What, what was I going to do with Anthony? That What time he's going to do something? And then he did this. And well, oh, 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 God doesn't freak out when life messes us up because he knows the plans. I knew you before I formed you. You are handmade. I'm wearing I'm a Jean Willie jeans today. You know why I like them? They're handmade, stitched. Lifetime warranty. They tear up, I take them back. They work on them. They help me out. Handmade, every little stitch. I remember I walked in one day to the shop and the lady was in the back and she looked at my jeans and she said, I made those. I said, how do you know? There were four people working. She said, because the cross is a little crooked. The plus is a little crooked. I always make a little crooked so I know the ones I make. Handmade. Don't you love the fact that God can look at you and say, I made you. I made you. Hand made you. You're set apart. That means taken out of the flock and set apart. That word, that really means approved. You have been approved to do what God wants you to do. Somebody needs to receive this this morning. That was a little nod. That was like, yeah, okay, I'll take that. No, come on. Somebody needs to, because you have felt so disapproved of all your life. You feel like your parents don't approve of you. The music industry doesn't approve of you. School doesn't approve of you. God doesn't approve of you. Am I talking to anybody here? Just disapproval. If you're like, I can't do anything good enough. Grab hold of this. He selected you and he set you apart. You are approved of God. And then lastly, we learned last week, not only are you approved, but you are appointed. If God approves you, then he appoints you. You are set aside to do something great. And once you've been appointed, you can never be disappointed. Once you're appointed, you can never be disappointed. So if you're facing disappointment, you don't have your eyes on your appointment. Well, so-and-so just disappointed me. Why? Because you put your hope in them. The Bible says that hope never disappoints. Don't put your hope in a person or a job or a career or a promotion. Come on, somebody help me. Come on, at least those you got a Pentecostal background, at least an amen, a nod, something. Stop tweeting for a minute and just say, yeah, that's good right there. Then you can go back to tweeting. It's okay. I'm known, I'm handmade. I'm set apart. I'm appointed. Say this out loud. I am not a mistake. mistake. Now look, it gets really, it gets really touchy when I start talking about this, but I got to say this, okay? Because there are people that feel like you're a mistake. You feel like the way that you were conceived was not the way God intends for it to be conceived. Or your children weren't conceived the way God wants it to be conceived. That means nothing. They get into this whole dialogue about, about uh, their children here, so I won't go deep. You know, how many know what I'm talking about? Amen. You got me? You're tracking with me? Listen to me. It does not matter how that child was conceived. As soon as life happens, redemption steps in. That's the point of redemption. There's no need for redemption if everything is cool. Well, what about the babies of this way? It don't matter. We were all born in sin, shaping in iniquity. I don't care who your daddy baby is. It doesn't matter. 
I love getting the religious right there on that one. They're like, oh, what's he even talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Let's take it off that. My mom and daddy, what if your mom and dad don't even like each other anymore? They're not even together. It doesn't matter. You were handmade. Man, I want to turn something over this morning. (laughs) Sam, please don't judge Evan by me, okay, buddy? Please don't. (laughs) I am not a mistake. And if I'm not a mistake, that means my mission is not a mistake. I've got to dive into one more. You think I'm just going to... If I don't get to another point, you're going to think I just microwaved last week, okay? So I'm going to go there. I'm going to prove to you I'm ready for today, all right? Look at this. All my notes, color-coded and everything. Look. See? They're all there. I mean, just, I got many. I can just keep going. How many of y'all want? That's the whole series. That's the whole series, right? I just wanted you to know pastor is ready today, all right? Secondly, I'm not... First of all, I'm not a mistake. Secondly... I am not my own. Remember we're talking about, we're talking about before I can really know who I am, I got to know who I am. I am not my own. That's a relief. Because <laughs> you know, I got a car. That means I got to take care of my car. I got a house. Me and Chris, I got to take care of our house. Man, if I had me, whoo, Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, for glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You grab hold of this right here, it changes your whole life. The fact that He purchased you, He paid for you, and then released you to be a free will again. That's incredible. We're going to be talking about that because some people think when God buys you that He continually keeps you as a slave. That is not true. God buys you and then releases you as a son and a daughter. We're going to get to that in the next several weeks. This mindset that I am not my own changes everything. It destroys the selfishness of this city. Listen to me. This city is selfish. This city is prideful. This city is all about me. I'm the artist. Me, I'm the artist. Promote me. Build me up. My business. My medical career. Me, 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 my, my. Like the seagulls. Remember the seagulls? Mine, 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 mine. Me. Everything promotes us. Well, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can be a part of that church because of how it affects me. See, there you go. Well, we, we have people show up and say, we're just checking it out, see what it does for us. Look, that's great. Why don't you find a church and find out what you can do for it? Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be like mind-blowing. They don't have a real good kids department. Well, that's a great opportunity for you to dive into the kids department. I hate the preaching. Well, too bad. Go to another church. (laughs) 
See, this mindset of I'm not my own, it destroys this selfish thing that it's all about us. I am not my own, which means what I have is not mine either. Did you hear me? If I'm not my own, then what I have is not mine either. We protect our time. We protect our talents. And we protect our treasure. We just, we just, I gotta, gotta be over here together. We, we, we do all this stuff. It's not your time. It's not your talent. It's his. It's not your money. It's his. Oh, I just need a break for me. I need a break for me. I've I, I got to be honest with you. Can I just pass you for just a moment? All of our guests, just close your ears for just a moment. It boggles my mind, the people that go, I just got to have some time for me. And most of the time, these are the people that have the most time for them. And I look at the mamas with eight kids showing up, setting stuff up. I look at Tara and Brandon Cliff showing up with a, with a special needs child running our Hills Kids crew. But people just need time. See, that's because you think your time is your time. What if you, in a medical need, you show up and the doctor says, not now, it's just my time. Not my time. What if you called me and Kristen at 3 o'clock in the morning like you have before. And I just said, no, it's my time. Not, not, it's our time. It's not your time. It's his time. That doesn't mean you've got to be a slave. Thank God if you attend the hills, we're not a church that's going to be a taskmaster out of you because we treasure family, we treasure time. But don't turn boundaries into barriers. This is my time. No, it's not. It's not your time. It's not your family. It's not your destiny. He bought you. He owns it all. And we talk about giving your heart to God. Come on, that's what we're talking about. You've given it all to Him. Psalms 100 says, Know the Lord that He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Look at your neighbor and say, There is a God. And you're not him. Look, look at me. Hey, I know that got a little heavy right there, but listen to me. That is the most freeing thing you can say. Chris and I went to a church to speak one day, and this church was exploding in growth. They had people everywhere. It was just banging. Now, we had been there the year before, and it was just like crickets. Everybody say amen. Just quiet. Nobody there. We show up the next year and things are just like people everywhere. I mean, revival had happened in that place. And I looked at the pastor and I said, tell me what is going on and how do you make it? And he looked at me and Kristen. This changed our life. He said, a long time ago, I realized that this was not my church. This is God's church. And if I'm doing everything I know to do and it's not succeeding, I can say, okay, God, sure glad it's yours. Look at me. If you're being lazy and it's not succeeding, that's a different story, okay? But if you're doing everything you know and you're doing it for the right purpose and it's not working, you can say, oh, well, God, glad you got this thing. 
On the other hand, when it does take off and it is successful and things are going, you don't get conceited or big-headed because you say, it's still yours. How many know people that call you when they need you but don't when they don't? Are people that it's like, I need some help, I need some help, and they call you and you do all this stuff, and then all of a sudden when everything's blowing up, nothing. No calls. Nothing. See, the thing is, when it's God, you you call Him all the time. It's tough. It's yours. It's great. It's yours. Hey, bring this up on the Scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.15. This was a Scripture that Kristen and I founded a, 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 a class on, and we called it 5.15. You don't have it. Okay. We founded a class on this, this Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.15. We named the class 5.15. We started on Sunday nights at, it was pretty simple, okay? And this is the premise. Listen to this. Now, it's not up there, so look at my mouth as I read it. And, oh, it is. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. We spent six months on that scripture. Six months on one text. You know how boring that had to be for those folks? And would you turn your Bibles? We know. (laughs) Already there. Worn it out. The page isn't even here anymore. He died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves but for him who died for them and rose again. You are not your own. And look at me. You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. God has given us a mission, and this mission is bigger than I can accomplish by myself. I have got to have you. You got to have me. We got to have Him. I'm not my own. Thirdly, so first of all, I'm not a mistake. I'm not my own. Thirdly, I am not what I do. Are y'all still with me? Can I have five more minutes? Okay. I am not what I do. How many were taught that what you do is who you are? It's wrong. I'm not what I do. Your religious acts are filthy rags to him, Isaiah 64 says. We used to think we could attain his grace. You can't. It's unmerited. There's a key to that word unmerited favor. You can't do anything to get it. All you got to do is make a step forward. My righteous acts. Ephesians says this in two, uh, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 8. It is by grace we are saved through faith. It is not from myself. It is a gift of God, not by works that any can boast. I was raised boasting about my works like I had done something to get what I got. And as long as I did the right thing, then I was okay. Let me tell you, you can't do enough to be okay. I need everybody to listen to what I'm saying right now. You cannot do enough to be okay. But you can't do enough to not be okay either. Now that's the one that will mess you up right there.
Let me tell you something. One of the greatest lies the enemy tells us is that hard work works. Listen to me. The greatest lie the enemy tells us is if you're a hard worker, you're going to do great things. That is a lie. Because hard work comes back to me. How did you get what you got? I worked. I'm a self-made man. See, that's the problem right there. We can show it. Look at the sweat. I got it. Me. That's Adam. Everything Adam got because he worked for it. When the right way to be is be in relationship with God and you don't have to work for anything. It just shows up. Adam never had to work for anything in Eden. It was always there. That's very good. So the mindset has to shift because we feel like I'm going to get where I need to get because of hard work. Look at me. Hard work is a natural law. You work hard, you're going to get something. You sow, you're going to reap. But the problem, it's a natural law. It's a worldly mindset. Don't call yourself blessed because you worked hard. That's not blessed. That is a natural law going into effect. You worked hard, so you got. Read what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 17 and 5. Jared, please come get on this piano so I will stop speaking today, okay? (laughs) Jeremiah 17 and 5 says this. Now, this is going to be life-changing for some of you. This is what the Lord says. Cursed. Everybody say cursed. Cursed are those who put their strength in mere humans, who rely on human strength. Get in the key of I will be all right. Thank you. They're like, that says that? Jeremiah must have known what we were singing today. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans. Cursed. Did you hear that? Who rely on human strength, who turn their hearts away from the Lord. They shall be stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in barren wilderness and in uninhabited salty lands. That's where hard work gets you. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord who have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never start producing fruit. Hard work, listen to me, hard work will get you fruit when the season's right. But as soon as a drought comes, As soon as the winds come and the waves come, if you have built your house up on the sand, it's going to fall. But if you have put your house and planted your tree in trusting in God, does that mean we don't don't toil? No, we still work. We just don't toil. We don't labor. We don't get blisters and calluses. We just get where we're supposed to get and we do the work that God's called us to do. But we do this trusting in God. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Everybody ever heard somebody tell you to follow your heart? Don't do it. Follow your passions. Shut up. Don't follow your passions. Don't follow your heart. It will mess you up. Matter of fact, it says, who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. 
I give all people their due rewards according to their actions deserve. Look at me. Why do you want what you want? Why are you writing? Why are you fighting and digging and planting and working? Why do you want it? Look at me. I want you to... The motives matter. Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else, hear what I'm saying. The motives are the only thing that matters. I'm reaching for somebody. I feel like an old-time evangelist today. I'm reaching for somebody right now. Listen to me. Listen to me. Somebody who loves you. Listen to me. The motives matter. Why you do what you do. Not why you tell people why you do what you do. Really getting it down to your heart. Why are you doing what you do? Maybe even why you tell yourself you do what you do. Because we lie to ourselves. What does it really mean? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Understanding the difference in being driven and drawn. I know he's playing, but don't tune me out. Listen, there is a difference in being driven and drawn. Driven means there's something from my past that's driving me. I'm a driven man. What are you driving? What's driving you? You going to prove something to somebody? I'm going to prove all the naysayers wrong. Why? I'm going to make my way. My daddy said I couldn't do it. My church said I couldn't do it. Everybody said I couldn't. I'm being driven. You're driven by hurt. You're driven by control. You're driven by proving something. You're driven by your heart. You're driven by your passion. What if instead of being driven, we would be drawn? Because you're drawn by your destiny. Your destiny won't steer you wrong. I came to Nashville because I was driven. Something was driving me here. I was getting away from something. I was driven. But when those planes of that airplane came underneath those clouds and I burst into tears eight years ago in July not knowing that we were going to pastor a church suddenly that driving turned into a drawing and nothing could stop me to do what I'm supposed to do the difference in David was he wasn't driven he was drawn he could have gone and done all this stuff. I'm going to prove my daddy wrong, prove my brothers wrong. I'm going to show them that I'm not a little shepherd boy. Instead, he was drawn by a destiny to be king and nothing could stop him. 